Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Everybody say I'm ready to go. Let's say this. I believe I'm in the right place at the right time for something really good to happen in me, for me, and through me. And say this, say the person next to me really needs to hear this message. (laughs) Last weekend, we started a series called Freedom Formula. And we're going to continue that this week. I'll take a break next week from it. We'll come back for another week or two after that. And Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again into a yoke of bondage. It's our scripture that we used last week, and we said this, that it actually is the will of God, and it's possible for you to be saved, to love Jesus, and to walk in freedom in all of the areas of your life that God intends for you to be free in. We also said this, according to the scripture, also means that it's possible to love Jesus and not walk in those areas of freedom. And it's also possible to love Jesus and fall back out of freedom. And so this, the Bible says this, we need to stand in, uh, in, in fastness or steadfastness and hold on to the things that Christ has used to free us and, and stand in that freedom so we don't get entangled in those bondages again. Now I want to read you another section of scripture. This is in the book of John chapter 8. And Jesus said this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he's talking to us, he said, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. Most translations say, if you abide in the word and the word abides in you. It's another way of just saying remaining in the truths that are in Scripture. And you will know, everyone say no. You will know the truth, and the truth itself is going to do what? Set you free. I love that. If you know the truth. The word know is a really important word. It means to experience for yourself. It really is, uh, it's, it's actually an intimate word. It's the word for sexual intimacy. So what it really means is to really intimately know the truth. The word truth means the reality of Christ. So if you remain in the word of God, the word's going to remain in you, and you will intimately know the truth, the reality of Christ, and the reality of Christ will set you what? Free. So if you got the point, God wants us to walk in, in freedom. And verse 33 says this, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? There are sometimes areas in our life we don't even know we need to be free in. Now, some areas it's obvious, but there are sometimes areas in our life we don't know that we should be free, could be free, or how to be free. So verse 34, Jesus replied to them. He said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins becomes a a slave of sin, and a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you're truly what? Free. You're part of his family. So he wants you to be what? Set free. That's the will of God for you to be set free. And that phrase set free means that you are liberated from something that had you restrained, and you are liberated into believing how you would want to believe to receive from the Lord. So the, the, the truth to this is that Jesus said, if you know the reality of Christ, that reality will set you completely free or it will liberate you. How many could, just, could attest to the fact that he has actually freed, areas of you, uh, uh, freed you in areas of your life? He's liberated you in areas of your life. Well, I want you to know that I believe he wants to liberate you in every area of your life. To walk in total, total freedom. 
from a bondage. And so a bondage, the Bible word, is a stronghold or something that you can't seem to break free of, a pattern of thinking, a pattern of living, some way that you just cannot seem to get totally free. That's what the Bible calls a stronghold or a bondage. Well, where do those bondages come from in our life? The first place a bondage could come from in your life is it's something that you could, the Bible calls them iniquities. Something that just passed down, a bend in your family, a bend to error in your family that just came through your family line that you may have some strongholds from, some struggles from, or some bondages from in your life. It just came down your family line. A lot of times you'll see alcoholism passed down through a family or poverty passed down through a family line. It could come from iniquity. Another place it could come from is experiences that we've had in our life. We may have experiences, experienced some things. Usually it causes some wounds or some deficiencies in our lives, and those experiences then can become, uh, we react to them, and, and they could become strongholds in our lives. Another place is by exposures. There could be some things that we intentionally or unintentionally were exposed to that opened the door for some areas of the enemy in our lives, and so that's where bondages come from. But the important thing is, no matter how the bondage came, Jesus is a liberator. The truth of Christ can free you no matter how those things came or where they came or whether you opened the door or you had nothing to do with it or it was passed on. He wants you free, walking in free from freedom from all of those things. So last weekend, I threw a formula up on the screen that I want to reference because I believe this formula, so to speak, works for any area of stronghold or bondage or challenge that that you could be facing in your life, even ones you may not know are really what may be a bondage. First of all, we need to recognize the problem. That's where it starts. And and so the topics that I'm teaching on, last weekend we, we talked about the fact that there are many of us who need free from intimidation. And we dealt with the spirit of intimidation last week. We said it really is a spirit of fear. And so we need to recognize the problem. And here's what that means. We need to step back and evaluate our lives. We need to check the moods of our lives, the conversations in our lives, the choices we've been making, the feelings we've been feeling, and recognize the root of where that came from. Was it an iniquity? Was it an experience? Was it an exposure? And just recognize what the problem might be in our life. If we're continuing to have some areas of failure or areas that we're not liberated from or areas that we just can't seem to break free in our thinking, that's a problem in our life. And we need to recognize the problem, recognize where the root came from. Many times the root came from a wound that happened in our lives. Then we need to do something that a lot of us fail to do, and that's to take what? responsibility for it. And here's what that means by taking responsibility. we got to recognize that root. Sometimes we need to forgive somebody. Sometimes we need to let Christ forgive us. Sometimes we need to surrender some stuff. Sometimes we need to stand on some scriptures in our lives that we need to, we need to take some responsibility and let the Holy Spirit uh, remove those things by the root from our lives. And then lastly, we rely on truth. Here's what that means. Going forward, we rely on on the reality of Christ. We rely, we, we, we re- resist those things in our lives. We, we replace those things with the truth of Christ in our lives, and that leads to freedom in our lives. Now, um, it, a lot of times a formula is black and white in front of us, but how many of sometimes it's a little messier than just a slide on a screen? But I want you to know that it still works. If we'll be willing to recognize the problem area be willing to take responsibility. What I mean by, okay, God, I want this out of my life. God, I want this to be deleted from my life. I want free from this area of my life. And when God begins to do that, then we rely on truth going forward. Because here's what happens a lot of times. We live in a culture where we want it. We, I used to say we want it right now, but we want it yesterday. And we just want a quick prayer 
to deliver it out of our lives and never have a challenge again. Sometimes that happens. But sometimes, this is how it happens. I believe that if we pray over you, speak over you, there's freedom that comes. But a lot of us miss it when we have to walk it out 24-7. When we have to walk it out throughout the rest of the week, throughout the next years and days and weeks of our lives. So what I want to do is teach us to receive that freedom and how to walk it out going forward. And I believe that that's what relying on the reality of truth, the reality of Christ, which is the word of God, I believe that's what it does in our lives. Someone say amen. Amen. Now, uh, last weekend I took on a topic of intimidation. I'm going to take on a different topic today, and this topic is insecurity. I want to take on the topic of insecurity. Now, I do believe this. All of us at different times deal with some levels of insecurity. Everybody does, right? We're in an insecure world. We're in a fallen world. And so we, we all in our lives deal with some insecurity. But, but some of us would be able to look at insecurity and say, it's a real, this is a real challenge in my life. It's a real challenge in my thinking. It has kept me from going forward, from going higher, from walking in more freedom that Christ wants me to walk in. And so I believe this, that just like, just like we learned last week, that, that intimidation can be defeated and deleted from our life, I believe that insecurity can too. I believe that insecurity can be deleted from our lives. This, this insecure feeling can be deleted from our lives. You all ready to go? So let's tackle this, and I'll give you some good pointers that are shout-worthy at the end. Everybody say insecurity. If I was going to define insecurity for you, I would define it this way. To feel overwhelmed by worry. To feel overwhelmed by worry. Now, we all have moments, challenges, and opportunities to worry. But I'm talking about to continually feel just overwhelmed by different types of worry. Because some of you can't sleep because of worry. Some of you can't function because of worry. Some of you can't accomplish things because of worry. Some of you aren't going forward. Why? Because worry pointing you backwards, right? So no matter what level of worry that you're dealing with, we're, we're going to deal with some freedom this morning um, with, with worry. But a sign that worry is an issue is just feeling overwhelmed by worry in your, your life. And, and what is worry? Worry is just a state of uncertainty, that you're just uncertain by things. And, and, and worry... Worry can actually become sinful in our lives, right? It can become sinful in our lives. And just let me say this right up front. Worry is wrong thinking. What is worry? It's uncertainty, but it's wrong thinking. It's actually using your imagination the wrong way. Do you believe that God gave you an imagination? Now, here's a really wild thing. Have you ever watched a little kid play? You just ever amazed at their imagination? They say that when a, when a, when a child is younger, they use their full imagination. By the time they begin to hit um, between 18 to 25, they lose a big portion of their imagination. And the older you get, the less you use your imagination. Well, the problem with that is God has made us creative, and part of your imagination is your faith zone. And what happens with worry is worry begins to choke out our faith. It begins to choke out our confidence because it, it actually, worry is wrong thinking. It's uncertainty, and that worry is actually using our imagination the wrong way. Let me prove it to you. When we get into worry, what we start to do is this little word called fret. And what we start doing is we fret over yesterday because yesterday is something that we cannot want change. Have anyone ever in this room ever fretted over yesterday? We can't change yesterday. Now, we can go back and we can forgive and we, we can apologize and we can do some things, but some of us are just hung up on yesterday and we're fretting over yesterday and it's wrong thinking over yesterday. 
Some of us are beginning to fret over the here and now, and we fret over things that are unlikely. I, I think I said this last week. They say that, that less than 8% of what we worry about ever comes true. So most of the stuff that we're worrying about is unlikely to happen, or sometimes we're fretting over tomorrow that we have no control over. So we spend all of this energy fretting over what we can't change, what we have no control over, and what might be unlikely in our lives. It's called worry. It's wrong thinking. Instead of using our hearts and our minds and our imagination for some faith things, for some truth things, and we get caught up in this cycle of worry, and really what worry means is to choke. It chokes off our faith. It chokes off our peace. It chokes off these areas of our lives. That's why it's wrong thinking. And if you've ever had worry um, not just challenge you, but if you've ever had worry get a grip on you, it, it leaves you in a very challenging, dysfunctional path and dysfunctional course. So I'm going to read you a few passages of Scripture that the Bible tells us what to do with worry. How, how many, I want to know what to do with this worry. I'm going to tell you it's in Scripture. First of all, Psalm chapter 55, verse 22 says this. So here's what I've learned through it all. How many, that's, that's a good way to start it awful passage of scripture. King Solomon said, here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all of your cares and leave all of your anxieties at the feet of the Lord. Did y'all hear that? Leave all of your cares and leave all of your anxieties at the feet of the Lord and measureless grace will come and it will strengthen you. What we would call that is the the principle of exchange, that I'm able to exchange my cares and my anxieties and my worries and my burdens and all these things that I'm fretting over, I'm to leave them at the feet of Jesus. And if I can leave, it didn't say take them, it said what? If I can leave them at the feet of the Lord, then this grace is going to come and it's going to strengthen me. He wants to exchange your stress for his grace. And the Bible said his grace is always more than sufficient for whatever you're up against, going through, walking through, or challenged with. Well, since I can tell you're overwhelmed with that scripture, let me give you another one. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Pour out all of your worries. How many of them? All of, pour all of your worries and your stress upon him and leave them there. Do you see, once again, we're supposed to what? Bring them to him, put them at his feet, and do what? Leave them there. How many have ever taken them to him, and then you're like, I'm not sure he knows how to handle this. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to take them back. You know what that's called? Worry. I'm going to bring him over here because Pastor Aaron said, bring him to his face. I'm going to lay him down. I'm going to be like, oh, but I'm not sure he knows how to. And we pick them back up. The Bible says, bring all your stresses, all your anxieties, all your worries and stresses and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. I want you to know that taking your worries and your anxieties and your stresses and all of these things, taking them and putting them at the feet of Jesus is an act of faith. And leaving them there is a bigger act of faith. Okay, I'm, I, you're, you did a little better. Let me give you another scripture. Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 6 and verse 7. Don't be pulled in different directions and don't be worried about a thing. How much are we supposed to worry about? Well, according to scripture, not a thing. So we're not to worry about a thing. But we're to be saturated in what? Prayer throughout each day. Offering our faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. How do we take our worries and give them to God? We do it via prayer. 
He says, come with gratitude, which means you're going to trust he's going to take care of them. You bring it by faith. Every detail, God distincts. God, I don't understand this. God, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I don't. We just bring that to him via prayer. And look what happens. When we do that, when we take it, and by faith we leave it there, then, everyone say then. Then God's wonderful what? Peace. Everyone say peace. Once we do that, then his wonderful peace that transcends our human understanding will begin to guard your heart and your mind through Jesus. Then and only then can he begin to guard your heart and bring peace into your heart and bring peace into your mind. You know what worry really becomes? Worry really becomes prayerlessness. It becomes prayerlessness. That's really what worry turns into is this prayerlessness in our lives. So let me summarize up what the Word of God says. Stop panicking. Start praying. But not a freak out prayer. Because some prayers don't work. A faith-filled prayer. Which means you might have to stir yourself up, bring yourself to a place that you're going to take this worry, put it at the feet of Jesus via prayer, and leave it there. Now, I know that preaches real good. I know that's what Scripture says. But we got to dig a little bit deeper here because we do take it and pick it back up. So what, what is really at the root of worry? What is really, really at the root? Remember, one of the things we have to do is we have to recognize the problem. Because here, here's what happens in the problem, is we start, if I wanted to find out what your problem might be, I would start watching and listening for some things. I would watch for the decisions that you're making. I would watch the moods that you have. I would listen to the conversations that you have, and I would be able to identify and locate some of your problems. Like if someone comes to us for counseling, I start asking questions, I'm listening, I'm watching, and I can sort of get to the root of things. But at the root, because here's what happens. If worry is a real stronghold in our lives, our mood is going to be very worrisome. Our conversation is going to be full of worry. And our choices are going to be made based on our worry. So what would be at the root of all of that? Here is what is at the root of worry and insecurity. It is what I would call a spirit of rejection. Just like at the root of intimidation was a spirit of fear. There is a spirit of rejection at the root of worry. Now, we all face some worry. I'm talking about those of us who just feel uh, restrained and restricted and in a bondage of worry. And the word, the word rejection means to cast something off or to push something away. I, I would venture to say that somewhere in your life, there has been a casting off or a pushing away that has left you in a place and a spirit of rejection knocking on your heart, speaking into your ears and working on your life that puts you in a place of worry because somewhere along the line, rejection may have happened from a parent, from a, a spouse, from a, a sibling, in some type of situation, and it produced this overwhelming spirit of worry. And when we start to react to worry and rejection, I find we do it in one of a few different categories. Some of us, because of that wound or that rejection, we react what I would call the symptoms would be very aggressive. For example, your reaction might be, yeah, we have a chart here. Your reaction might be, 
Some people get very manipulative in their reaction. Here's what I mean by that. We're not going to get hurt again. We're not going to get rejected again. So I'm going to manipulate the situation. Manipulation happens in a few ways. Sometimes manipulation happens and someone gets very angry. They're very angry. They're very harsh. They're very loud. Or sometimes it's the opposite. They're very pouting, very crying, woe is me, very victimized. Sometimes manipulation could be seductive. Sometimes control is a response that someone has. This is not going to happen to me, so I'm going to take control. People have real control issues. You can trace it back to what? Insecurity. Or sometimes we make these vows, and we've learned about this. I'm, I'm never going to feel this again. I'm never going to hurt this way again. So I'm going to make this vow. No one's going to do this to me again. Here's the problem with making those vows, whether they're outside verbally or they're in our heart, is whenever we make a vow over a situation, we put ourselves as God over that situation, and now we're in charge of that situation, and we can't let God heal us. Or sometimes we, we react very defensively. Insecurity can lead to some real people-pleasing issues, some perfectionism issues, or we deal with what the Bible really talks about is a very challenging uh, area of weakness in our lives, and that's comparison. That we're comparing ourselves to everybody here and everybody there. Or we respond very passively. We can get very hard-hearted. We can become very distrusting. And we can become very isolated or we begin to withdraw. These are just some symptoms. Now, like I said, we all deal with some insecurities, but I'm talking about what insecurity has really restrained our lives, limited us, weakened us. And when we start making decisions based on worry and insecurity, we, we are never making good decisions. We make relational decisions. We make financial decisions. We make emotional decisions because of this insecure feeling that we have or this in overwhelming insecurity that we have. Am I reading anyone's mail today? Don't look around. Someone just say yes. So how do you defeat a spirit of rejection? How do you defeat a spirit of worry? Remember I said in your life, we learned last week that fear is a spirit. And you defeat fear with the opposite spirit. And the opposite spirit of fear, a lot of people think it's faith, but it's not. It's actually love. We learned that last week. How do you defeat a spirit of rejection and a spirit of worry over your life? This is going to sound like such a more simple solution than you, you were expecting, but the opposite spirit of rejection and worry is a spirit of trust. Everyone say trust. And what did we just read about in those opening scriptures? We, we, we read about truth. How many know you can trust truth? He is the way, he is the truth, he's the life. The challenge in the areas of worry, the challenge in the areas of rejection in our lives is, is this distrust that happens. If someone has broken your trust, broken their credibility, I mean, you know, that's a very challenging thing in our life. If a parent broke your trust, a spouse broke your trust, a sibling broke your trust, a friend broke your trust, somehow, somewhere, some way, something broke your trust, a lot of times this is where the spirit of worry comes from. The truth is defined as this. It's, it's to believe in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. I want you to hear that. Truth is defined as this. To believe in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something else. 
Now think about that. It's to rely on the strength of someone else. It's to rely on the reliability of someone else. It's to rely on the truth of someone else. It's to rely on the ability of someone else. But yet, if we've been rejected and we're dealing with that sort of wound in our lives, what we have trouble with is trusting in the reliability, the strength, the capacity, or the strength of someone else. And it is that very thing that God wants you to do with him. But we have let human distrust and human worry keep us from entrusting in the power of the reality of Christ. Are y'all still with me? So let, let's, let's get moving on fixing this. Romans chapter 8, a few verses. Verse 14. How many love the word of God? The word of God has a solution for every one of your dilemmas, one, every one of your issues. Here we go. The mature children of God. Now, Immediately, some of you start thinking, well, it's not me. I'm not real mature. Here's what I want you to understand. The mature children, not the perfect, the growing, the maturing children of God. Those who are being grounded in the word. Those who are growing in their faith. Those who are learning and elevating. Those who are not where they were last month, but they're, they're, they're growing. They're under the word. They are word of faith people. The mature children of God are those... Who are moved. Everyone say moved. Because what, what does worry do? It moves you. What does rejection do? It moves you. It moves you off course. But, but those who are mature are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. They're not moved by the impulses of their wounds. They're not, they're not overwhelmed with the, the impulses of, of their failures. They're not moved by the frets of yesterday, of the unlikely, of, the, of, not, of that which they cannot control. But they are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And we know this, that the Holy Spirit was sent to take the truth and reveal it to us. That's what the Bible said, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but there's come one coming who's exactly like me, and he's going to take what I said and remind you of it. That's the Holy Spirit's job, is to remind you of what Jesus said. Here's why I know we need that. I get really forgetful. Anybody else just get forgetful? Guys, help me out. That's why you got married, because you can't find anything, right? You don't remember where anything's at. But I want you to get this. All of us get forgetful. Here's how we get forgetful. We're here on Sunday, and we're pumped up. That was a good message. I'm going to put that into practice. And like six days later, something happens. Someone says something. Something doesn't go right. And we forget what Jesus said because our feelings or our natural impulses are dictating something to us. A doctor's report, something on TV, the government, some feeling I have, someone who didn't talk to me, someone didn't like my haircut, this didn't go right, I put on 14 pounds, I recovered. All these things start happening to us and they're the wrong impulses. But the mature kids of God, they rely on the impulses of the Holy Spirit who takes the truth of the word and brings them in revelation to us instead of worry. Verse 15, and you did not receive a spirit of religious duty that leads you back into the fear of never being good enough. Did you get that? You did not receive a religious spirit. A religious spirit will only lead you back into never being good enough. 
What is insecurity? I am never good enough. What is insecurity? What is worry? It will never work out for me. What is, what is the worry and rejection spirit? You're a victim. You're a victim. You're overwhelmed. You, you're, you're losing in it. That, that's, that's the wrong voice. And he said, I didn't give you that type of spirit. That's a religious spirit. Religion is a man-made attempt to get the favor and goodness of God. But spiritually mature, people founded on the word of God, people living by faith, they have this, this reliance on the impulses of the spirit, which brings the word of God up to them that no matter what, your good enough wasn't based on you anyway. It was based on the grace of Jesus. But instead, you have received, what does it say? The spirit of partial acceptance. Oh, I'm sorry. Full acceptance. You have received instead the opposite spirit of not good enough is the spirit of full acceptance. If you never get it any more together than you have it right now, he fully accepts you. If you're never any mature than you are right now, he fully, he accepts you. God accepts you because of Jesus. Now, does he want you to grow? Does the Holy Spirit want to enable you to grow? You bet you, and you should grow. And if you are surrendering to him, you can't help but grow. He said, I will take you from glory to glory to glory. Just get on for the ride is what he's saying. You, all you got to do is keep surrendering and keep believing. But you've received a spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Abba Father, or beloved Father. As we allow him to rise up within us. See, what does worry do? Pushes him down. What does faith do? Let's him rise up. What does the reality of Christ do? Let's him rise up within us. It lets the word of God rise up within us. It lets full acceptance rise up within us. But what does worry do? Chokes that off. Pushes it down. Keeps it far from your mind. But mature believers allow the Holy Spirit to impulse God to rise up within you. The word to rise up within you. You understand I am who he says I am. I can have what he says I can have. I can do what he says I can do. The just Live by faith in the words of Jesus. Verse 16. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are a beloved child of God. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved Do you know that yourself, if I walked up to Chad and said, dude, be loved, man, be loved. Well, that's weird. You can't be loved, but he can love you. You are the beloved. He be loving you. Right? You are the beloved. In other words, you can trust him as a father. He's whispering, you, you, you're my kid. I, I, I will take care of this. Bring it to me. But what you don't bring to him, he cannot take care of. When you lay it down and pick it up and keep it to yourself and tuck it under your pillow and lock it in your safe, he cannot change it. He cannot alter it. And what we leave unconfronted will never change. How do we get healed up from insecurity and rejection? We bring it to the feet of Jesus. We open our heart. We leave it there. We let him wrap his arms around us and love us like someone else didn't love us and take care of us like no one else could take care of us. It's this trust thing. How many know that's good right there? That brings me to three life points. 
And y'all look a little relaxed today, a little chilled. I know we got that extra hour of sleep, but I need you to like, I need you, these are shout worthy. If you don't shout on these, they don't count. I read that passage, wasn't that a cool passage of scripture? I read all that to say these three things. So you might want to shout it. Someone, you can stand up and shout it. You can wave your hanky. You can do this, whatever you need to do. But you need to get this in your spirit, right? The word of God says, you win, not worry. That's, that's what the word of God says. It says, you win, not worry. The Bible says this about God, that he is the author and the finisher of your faith story. What he started in your life, he wants to bring it to fruition. In other words, he didn't just love you and save you and shed his blood for you to, to, to save you, to get you to heaven one day, but you lived through worry and rejection and all these wounds in the in-between, right? He saved you. Now he wants to pull that stuff out so you can live in, more free. And what does freedom mean? I'm liberated from something, but I'm liberated to be able to believe what I need to believe. Because see, if there's a spirit of worry working on you, you cannot believe what you need to believe for. You cannot believe what you want to believe for. You, it's impossible. Why? Because you're having some trust issues, and trust is the opposite spirit of this worry and this rejection stuff. And you, just, you can't just wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm done, I'm done worrying, I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust. It'll last for two and a half hours, and something will happen on TV, and you'll be right back there. What you need to do is keep coming to the feet of Jesus via prayer. Say, God, I lay it down. I lay it down. I give it. I'm going to trust you. Help me to trust you. Because the Bible says this. He's the author. He's the finisher. He wrote from the beginning to the end. And his story, his word for your life is this, that you win, not worry. If you knew you were going to win in the end, you wouldn't worry during the in-between time. If you knew you're going to be healed, you wouldn't worry about the diagnosis. If you knew he's going to bless you, you wouldn't be worried about the, the bill coming in the mail. You wouldn't be able to worry why you trust him. Worry is this. It's looking at you and the impossibility instead of what does faith do? What does trust do? God, I see the diagnosis. God, I see the, the bill. God, I see the bill stacked up on the table. God, I see the report on TV. God, I'm watching this on CNN. I'm watching this over here. And God, I, I'm, I will not get into worry. I'm going to stay in the peace. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to lay it down. If I got to keep it over here, God, I'm going to keep one hand of praise like this, one hand here until I work through it. You got to keep trusting him. I got a word for you. Ready for this? Two words. Must trust. You must trust. You must trust. But I can't. Well, what helps you trust? I keep learning about the reality of Christ. His word remains in me. I remain in the word, and I experience the truth of the reality of Christ, and it is that truth that keeps setting me free from my worry. Every time you worry, open up a scripture. You can't read the word of God and worry at the same time. You can't worry and pray in the Holy Spirit at the same time. It can't happen. That's life point one. The word says you win, not worry. Number two, the will of God says you conquer, not cope. You conquer, not cope. Listen to me. So many of us trying to work through natural means to cope with some things. God does not want you just to cope. He wants you to conquer. Now, there's some steps, some in-between times. You learn to cope a little bit. But the goal was not to cope. The, the, the goal is to what? Conquer. Did y'all hear that? The goal was for you not to live 50% free, but for you to live 100% free. I'm not saying it always happens overnight, but I'm saying that's where he wants to give, get you into conquering, on the conquering level. 
You're the head, not the tail. You're above, you're not beneath. You're not conquered, you're a conqueror, the Bible says. That's the will of God for you. The word says you win, you don't worry. The will of God says that you don't cope, you conquer. So that thing in your life right now, I'm going to tell you, God's not going to let up until you're walking and conquering in a conquering spirit, not just a coping spirit. Did y'all hear that? I know that's not like psychologically correct and therapeutically correct, but that's the will of God for your life. That's not to say you don't need some help. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that's where God wants to get you, to the conquering place, not just the coping place. And some of you have pitched a tent and set up camp and built a foundation on the coping level, and God said, I want to go from the coping level to the conquering level. Don't make that place your permanent place. Maybe you're doing better. Great, you're coming out of it, but don't stay there. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He wants you to continue. Let's keep moving higher. Let's keep moving further. I want to bring you to a fully trust where worry doesn't keep you up at all, where you laugh in the face of worry. Even if you've got to start doing it by faith. Are y'all still with me? I got, I got one more point, right, for this. So God's word says you win, not worry. God's will says you conquer, not cope. And God's way says you're accepted, not abandoned. There is something that the enabling power of God will do. He will let you start living from acceptance instead of living for acceptance. Those are two different things. Living from a place of acceptance, not to get acceptance. In other words, not living from a place of insecurity, but living in a place of trust, living in a place where worry doesn't affect you. Now, I'm not saying there won't ever be an opportunity, and I'm not saying that worry won't come knock on the door, because I know what you're thinking. The world we're in, there's there's a lot to worry about. And you know that the last two years, our media, our leadership in our country has fueled the fear. You know why they're fueling the fear? They want you to rely on them. They want you to be controlled by their policies, their money, and their reports. That's why they use fear. You know what God wants you to live by? Live by the fact that you're loved Live by faith and live by trust. I've had to watch, watching some news because I get agitated. Because nothing I'm seeing or hearing is a good decision whatsoever. And I tell my wife all the time this little phrase I said, Thank God for God. How do you keep yourself in a place of peace? Remain in the word. Let the word remain in you. And what you experience with Jesus, that truth, that reality will set you free. And you don't do it once in 2021. You might need to do it daily. You might need to do it daily for a while. You might need to do it hourly for a while. You're in the middle of something. You need to go and keep laying it down. But here's what I want you to hear. To walk in everything God has for you, to be Walk in the freedom God wants you to have, which he does want you to have. Remember, he doesn't want you just to cope, and he doesn't want you just to worry. He doesn't want you to be abandoned. He has accepted you. Now listen to me. When he accepted and adopted you, he accepted all your junk. Let me say that again. That wasn't in my notes. That was awesome. He didn't, when he accepted you and adopted you, he didn't adopt just your good stuff. 
He didn't adopt just your, you know, your Sunday morning, good looking, hairs in every place, look fine looking. He, he, he saw your like Wednesday night messed up, hair and rollers thing going on. He accepted your failure. He accepted the fact that you couldn't fix you. He accepted the fact that your thinking was messed up. He accepted the fact that your talking was messed up. He accepted the fact that your relationships were messed up. He just, he adopted you just like you are. And he said, I've accepted you. And I've opened the door to every treasure that I have for you. And my treasures are healing, deliverance, prosperity, freedom. Come on. He said, all of this now, I put my name at the end of your name. Think about that. He, 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 he took your record. He took your past. He took all of it and said, I'll just embrace it. He didn't say, you get it together, then we talk. He said, no, I'll embrace you just like you are. You are messed up. Anyone remember when you were messed up? I mean, worse than now, you were messed up. Remember that? You know what he said? I'll adopt you just like you are. And he has never changed his mind. This is what he wants to do. But you, want, you know what you do when you distrust and worry? And he's... Real quick, let's put it to the let's put it to the formula. We got to recognize the problem. The problem is some of my conversation, some of my thoughts, some of my feelings of worry. Why, why are they so overwhelming? Well, maybe somewhere along the line there was rejection that happened in your life, and it it shook you. And at the root of that is a wound. See, here, here here's here's. You know, if you go to a dumpster, you find two things in a dumpster. It stinks, and then you find these little cockroaches and rats, right? Dumpsters, I mean, nasty dumpsters, right? Because some of us have some areas of our life that are wounds, and it's like a dumpster. It's the stinky stuff. It's the hurtful stuff. And like rats and cockroaches are attracted, the devil's attracted to our wounds, and he magnifies those wounds, and he gets a voice in our wounds, and we live out of our wounds, and we live out of our insecurity. Sometimes, sometimes people minister out of their insecurity. We operate, we lead out of insecurity, and, and because the devil's attracted to those wounds, we gotta recognize the root of those things, wherever it came from, and then take some responsibility. What I mean by that is maybe you need to say, I forgive that person who did it, I, I let that go. I'm choosing by faith. I, I don't want that. I, it's breaking the power of trust in my life. I want it uprooted out of my life. Holy Spirit, pull that up out of my life. I forgive them. I, I, I reject that out of my life. I resist that out of my life. Lord, Lord, I need you to remove that, and I need you to replace it with some, with some Holy Spirit thoughts and some Holy Spirit ministry and some Holy Spirit anointing, and then rely on the truth as you go forward. I don't have to walk in that wound anymore. I don't have to live out of that wound anymore. He's my Father. He's my Abba. He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of things. He, he, he's going to work these things out. Trust the truth. The Bible says truth is the reality of Christ. Listen to me. You can trust the reality of Christ. He is who he says he is. And he did what he says he did. You can trust. You can trust him as a healer. You can trust him as a provider. You can trust him as your source. You can trust him as your joy. You can trust him as your peace. You can trust him as your hope. You can trust the reality of Jesus. You can't trust nobody else. You can trust the reality of Jesus. If you believe that, would you stand up? 
you believe that, would you stand up? How many got something good out of that this morning? You got something good out of that this morning. What I'm believing for this morning is the spirit of exchange to happen. A spirit of exchange. That spirit of exchange is this, that you taking your burden and you taking your overwhelming worry and you're taking all of that and you're laying at the feet of Jesus and he exchanges peace for your panic. How many need a little exchange to happen in your life, in your heart this morning? Let's think about that peace for a moment. I'm going to come up. I'm going to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to pray that God would deliver you from the bonds of that, from the obligation to that wound, to the obligation of that rejection. But let's sing, and as we sing this song, let's believe with all the faith that's in us. Let's believe with all of our heart that the peace of God would begin to move across this room, and he begin to heal your hearts. He begin to heal your minds. He begin to heal the things that have haunted you. He begin to heal the panic. He begin to heal the stress. He begin to heal the anxiety. He begin to worry about tomorrow. He heal the worry for tomorrow. He'll heal the worry for now. He'll heal the worry from yesterday. Let's begin to trust in the peace of God. The Bible says it comes. You can't explain it. It comes. And the word peace is our word for umpire. It's going to begin to umpire your future. It's going to be uh, 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 begin to umpire your marriage. It's going to begin to umpire your business. It's going to begin to umpire your sleep. It's going to begin to umpire your decisions, your moods. So what peace wants to do is manage your conversations, your moods, your feelings, your emotions.